welcome, listener, to uh, the podcast today on Encounters with God. Uh, we're going to talk today about uh, how God's call, which can perhaps be before you were born, can really shape the course of your life and how the Holy Spirit can be faithful through all of those phases of life. So I hope that you'll stick with us and uh, we're going to have a great time today as my guest is Margaret Rogers. Today we want to talk about an encounter with the Holy Spirit that not only affects your inner spiritual walk with God in a positive way, but also when God's call involves actually doing something about it and taking a risk for Him. And so it's my pleasure today to have Margaret Rogers with me, and we're going to talk a little bit about about uh, her life and her walk in the Holy Spirit. So welcome, Margaret. It's great to have you. Thank you. Uh, so for for our listeners, uh, who may not know you? Why don't, why don't you just tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, tell us a little bit about the family that you grew up in. Just give us a little biography of yourself. Okay. Well, I grew up in Vancouver. I uh, my parents were from England. They had emigrated, and. Uh, I, my mother was searching for something more than what she had. She attended the Church of England church in England and was in the choir and uh, sang solos and did all those good things, but she still didn't feel satisfied in her inner self. And so um, one day when she was walking along the street where we lived on 6th and Alder in Vancouver down by the waterfront, uh, she came across this big church. So she thought, well, let's, I'll go in there and see if I can help, because she tried three different organizations to see if they could help her. One was the spiritualist who felt that she would be a good medium, and they were training her to be a medium, and, and she wasn't too happy with that. So all in all, she thought, I'll try this place. So she didn't have a clue who they were or anything about them. Well, it so happened that they were holding special meetings there, and the place was full. So the only seat left was the front row, right beside the pastor's wife. So I tell you, I mean, that, that she was doomed, really. But anyhow, it's, uh, that's where the, the Lord met her. And she came out of that place a new creature in Christ Jesus, which to me is a miracle and shows how the Spirit of God works. Here she had come from England in yeah. 1920, but uh, uh, she was ready for whatever God had for her. And so anyhow, um, a short while later, the Alliance came to Vancouver in the form of um, Gordon Wishart, he was an evangelist, actually, but he was willing to give them two years to get established, and then he was going to move on. Well, uh, it, that place was just a humming, I tell you. And his wife was a marvelous Bible teacher. People came from all over the city just to hear her. So um, it was, it was a, a wonderful beginning. 
the 10th Avenue Alliance Church. It was on 10th Avenue in Vancouver and uh, is actually the mother church of all of the Alliance churches out in, in, in the valley, I, 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 any of them. It was the very first Alliance church. So um, I praise God for my beginning, though I wasn't around then. Uh, <laughs> my parents came to know you, and uh, uh, a year later, my father accepted Christ as his Savior, so they, they uh, were certainly happy to be in, in the fold, for sure. Yeah. Now, before, before we talk a little bit about your own spiritual conversion to Christ, give us a flavor. Uh, what was Vancouver like when you were growing up? Oh my. Well, certainly nothing like it is now, for sure. It was a quiet, sleepy hollow, really, compared to now. But uh, it, it was considered quite an active and lively place and mm -hmm. was certainly a hub. And uh, that's all <laughs> I can recall, really. Yeah, very different place. And imagine what Chilliwack would have been like then. Oh, and well, it was. It was more than a sleepy hollow. Yeah, it was just a few dusty roads, and that was about it. For the listener, uh, uh, we had a, a couple in Chilliwack who desired an Alliance church in Chilliwack, and they decided that they would go once a month to 10th Avenue Alliance, downtown Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, one of the pastors met them in the foyer one day and said, I'd like to come and visit you. And they said, well, we live in Chilliwack. And he said, I'm coming anyway. And so he started to come out to Chilliwack started Bible studies here, and that is the roots of our church in Chilliwack. Okay, now, um, you've talked about your your mom and dad's conversion, yeah. and uh, what an exciting time for them. How about for you? Uh, how did you come to know Christ? Well, um, I came, my mother told me that I accepted Christ at her knee as a very small child, she never gave me an indication of about what age I was, so I never knew. And uh, anyhow, I, I didn't feel it was that personal myself because when I went to Bible camp at age 12, they were all these campers were telling how they had accepted Christ to such and such a date, such and such mm -hmm. a time, mm -hmm. and I couldn't do that. And I thought, well, I'm not saved then. I mean, I'm not saved. So um, anyhow, before I left that camp, I made sure it's better to be sure than sorry. So I uh, accepted Christ into my life, and uh, that is when I really knew for a certainty that I belong to him. That's good advice, actually. If if you're not sure, if you're a Christian, if you've sort of grown up in it, maybe today is a good day just to affirm yeah. uh, receiving Christ as your Savior. Right. It's good. So, so you become a Christian around uh, 12 years old, which, by the way, in a number of the podcasts that we have done, that's when people come to Christ. Wow. It's around that age. Wow. Okay. When did you first encounter the role of the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, at uh, 10th Avenue Alliance in the early days, I think he was about the third 
pastor that we had there, um, he used to stress that very often. And we even had people come in to have special um, meetings to do. They called it the deeper life. Yes. And and it was a wonderful time. I had a very tender spirit, I know, as a child that... um, I'm not, I was forever going to the altar because I felt I needed it. But the Lord knew what my heart was, and so whatever happened, it was for good anyhow. And I, uh, I'm glad for that beginning that I had. So the Alliance in the early days used to talk about the Holy Spirit a lot more than they do today and, uh, and have meetings just on that subject. Oh, and and uh, you were talking to me about actually experiencing revival in the church there, in at times. Well, yeah, yeah, we, we did because people were wanting to live a holy life, and uh, to do that, one needs the Holy Spirit, and in order to have the Holy Spirit, you've got to live accordingly to the Word of God. So, uh, yeah. So, we did have revival. So, so, what were some of the marks of revival in those days? How would you know it's a revival? What, what, what happened there? Well, I think of when I went to Bible school, we had a revival there, and oh boy, that was really something for sure, because um, I mean, all the classes were suspended, and uh, we were all on our knees praying out to God to have mercy on us for this, that, and the other, and people were confessing this, that, and the other, and uh, making things right, and uh, returning things that they had taken, and oh yeah, I mean, you you knew for sure that the Holy Spirit was was uh, purifying that that's what the holy spirit does he purifies our life wow wow okay we could probably talk a lot about alliance history in the in the lower mainland here but i want to move on and uh, talk a little bit about spiritual practices in your life so you've been a christian for like 80 years um what what spiritual habits have served you well and what are those habits well, one, of course, is reading the Word of God. I mean, that's the important thing. And also praying and depending on the Lord for His help and His enablement, not depending on our own strength. And um, two, I've, I've known... Um, oh, dear, I... Oh, dear, that's what happens when you're old. I had a, I lo- I had a lovely thought in my head, and it's gone. <laughs> okay, then, so you mentioned, really, you've, you've men- mentioned some core ones, that's study of the scriptures, an active prayer life. Right. Okay, okay, let me ask this then. How do you hear from God? People say, oh, God spoke to me. How does God speak to you? Well, I had God speak to me once, 
when my father died very unexpectedly. He was a painter and decorator. He was carrying some drawers down a flight of steps to paint, and he fell and hit his head against a post at the bottom, and he never recovered from that. So um, I was a, out in Africa at the time, and uh, of course, the only way you communicate out there in those days is by telegram. So the, the family sent a telegram to say that he uh, had been in an accident. Well, I thought it was probably a motor vehicle accident. But uh, I didn't even know then that he wasn't living. And it took three weeks for me to get a letter telling that he was had gone. And, and that, that was like, it was difficult for sure. Certainly more difficult for my mother. She uh, was expecting him home for dinner and there were people that she was going to be entertaining that night for dinner that waiting there for him and uh, he never came. So. Yeah, but so, so how did God speak to you then? Well, he showed me through his word. And the verse he gave me was, Be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. And I just clung to that because he wanted me to know that he was able to take care of me and whatever. He was there for me. And, you know, I felt... A, well, not really lonely out there, but uh, I felt I was on my own and to a degree. But he was there for me, whatever mm -hmm. the need. And that meant so much to me. And I kept repeating that verse of Scripture constantly, day after day. And that really helped, helped me a lot. So, so has that sort of been a mark of your life, that through, through your life that the Lord will speak to you through Scripture? Is that yeah. the main way? Well, I think so. He, he's done that to other ways, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, uh, you've alluded to Africa, and I want to move now into into a little bit of that. And and uh, I'd like to... Uh, I'd like to talk for a few minutes about the concept of God's call. Okay. Um, uh, what, what, what do you believe about the call of God for every Christian? Well, I believe in it very much. In my case, I was just a, a young child. When God called me, I was, um, I started attending the Alliance Church when I was seven, and my folks were chartered members there then. In 1935, the church started, and uh, I went to a missionary convention and an uh, uh, Alliance missionary from Mali, West Africa, was the speaker. And he uh, told all these things about Mali. Well, I was so enamored by this. I just knew that this is where I was going to go to be a missionary. I was going to be a missionary, uh, but uh, that's where I wanted to go. And uh, at that time, there was a real thrust on China. A lot of people mm -hmm. were going to China, but I said, "Dear Lord, don't forget that I'm going to Mali." Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I told my mother that I wanted to be a missionary, and she says, "You know, I'm not surprised because 
before you were born, I asked the Lord to give me one more child, and it seemed as though that wasn't going to happen. So she said, the Lord made it happen, and she, and here you are the result of this child that was given to God to be a missionary. Oh, wow. So, so in a sense, God's call on your life, in your particular case, was actually before you were born. Yeah, it was. It wow. Was. Yeah. Um, so, but you've also had some formal training, like you went to Bible school. Yeah. But you've also had some other career training, is that right? Yeah. What was that? Well, I had to take up nursing. When I went to Bible school and was getting ready for graduation, uh, of course, they, everybody knew that I was going to Mali. And uh, I, I, I was told that the Alliance does not take single women unless they're either a secretary, a nurse, or a teacher. Oh, okay. And I, when I was 12 years old, my mother had taken me to, to uh, St. Paul's Hospital to uh, look it over because my mother was bound and determined that I was going to be a nurse. And I said, there's no way I want to be a nurse. If the odor of the hospital was so outrageous, I said, I could not work in a hospital like this. So, um, so that was the end of that. So I uh, had to make a decision. And just like that, the Lord put the love for nursing into my heart. He did, he did indeed. And so um, I, uh, from then on, I pursued nursing. And he led me to uh, the Vancouver General Hospital where I graduated. And uh, yeah. And that really was your ticket to Molly. Well, yeah, well, yeah, they, they were needing a nurse for Molly. They had never had a nurse. And here the, the nationals were praying for a nurse. And God was hearing their prayers. And they, uh, they uh, succeeded. <laughs> and that, so, the, so the answer to the, to the Malian prayers was learning to be a nurse in Vancouver, B.C. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Molly then. Um, for the for the listener who doesn't know anything about Molly, tell us about tell us about the country, the state of the country. What what is it like, and 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 uh, what was it like when you got there? Well, when I got there in nineteen sixty, no. That was the year my father died. No, 1957. 57, I um, got to Mali, and it was under French rule. And then they gained their independence later. And, uh, but still they retained French as the official language of the country. But, of course, I was going to the bush, and uh, they, I needed... Uh, to uh, have the Lord's help because I, I didn't have all that I needed for what there were no doctors around, no hospitals I mean it was 20 miles away to go to the um, to to get our mail we'd have to send someone on a bicycle to go and get our mail and that kind of thing, you know this is really 
and very, very isolated area. So. Uh, and Mali is a Saharan desert country. It's sub-Saharan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's hot. Oh, yeah. 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 We've had a heat wave here, uh, but uh, when I had an opportunity to go to Mali a few years ago, it was like it was like this every day. Yeah. Oh, it was hot. Oh, yeah. That, that's because it was hot season. They had their seasons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So, so I'm piecing this together. You're you're a, a young nurse from Vancouver, and you're going to this country by yourself to pioneer in the medical missions field. Yeah. Okay. As you went, what were your fears and your challenges? Well, I never did have fears, ever. I, I, I was very plucky. I, I took everything in my stride. I, 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 I wasn't a fearful person because I had the Lord with me. I mean, I really felt the presence of the Lord with me. And uh, I wasn't foolish, but still, I uh, didn't have real fears, you know. Wow, wow. Uh, comment a little bit because you went as a single person. Yeah. It's one thing to go as a couple, you can kind of lean on each other, right. but you you went as a single person. How did you find God to be your help? Well, you know, I mentioned that the nationals were praying for a nurse, and when I arrived, they accepted me in such a wonderful way. I never did feel lonely as far as not having people around, and I think God just took care of the situation because I, I never... It didn't hinder me in any of my work. I, I was free to do whatever. In fact, the government gave me carte blanche to do whatever I could. I was never hindered in anything. Wow. Wow. So, so you you had a missionary career in Mali, and it was largely through through the medical work that you did. Well, I yeah I. There's other things I did as well, but but I suppose you'd say that. Yeah. So, what is a story or two about God's work during your time in Mali? Well, you know, God works in amazing ways. He does indeed. For example, one day I heard the beating of the drum, and I could tell by the sound that somebody had died. So I asked that I go into the village to greet whoever had died, and I found that it was this somebody who I had been trying to treat in the dispensary, but uh, it was unsuccessful. And so um, she had a five-month-old baby. And when I got there, they had the mother laying on the ground, they were getting it ready for burial, but they had this baby, an old lady, a real old one, was throwing the baby up in the air and screaming at the top of her lungs, take the child with you, take the child with you. Well, for them, this was mercy because there was nobody to feed the baby. They didn't know anything about artificial feedings. So uh, with that, uh, they had 
known somebody by the name of Lucy Hillman, who years before had been a, a nurse in, at Ntoroso, and uh, she used to take these babies, apparently, and uh, the, somehow they knew about this. So they asked me if I wanted uh, to take the baby. Well, I thought, because I'd only been out there about a year and a half, and it was a three-tone language, and so it was a very difficult language, uh, I had misunderstood one tone, and I thought they wanted to know if I wanted to see the baby, like to treat it. <laughs> and I said, yes. So next thing I knew, after I got back to my house, here this old lady uh, comes along with this bag of bones because this child hadn't had a proper feeding for as long as the mother had been ill, which is a long time. And, and, and she says, here you are, here you are. And so, I mean, this was God's doing. That was true. That, that I know for sure. And so, I, I think I must have had her for about a year until she got so nice and plump. And, and uh, I, I used this sweetened condensed milk because you can keep that unrefrigerated because they don't have refrigerators out there. And so, um, so it, it worked very well. She, she would just hold on to her bottle. She would never let it go, let me tell you. She <laughs> knew that was her lifeline. And then I, uh, yeah, uh, oh dear. So then she uh, got to the place after about a year. I, I you know, she was demanding so much of my time. I mean, I, I had to be up at night to look after the snake bites. I was, had to be up in the night to do deliveries in the maternity. I, had, I, 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 I was getting burnt out. So finally I said to uh, the head man, I says, would you please see if we can do something that somebody can take this child for me because you know as much as I love her I mean really and I mean in those days they didn't allow you to be adopting a child and anyhow with my work I, I couldn't do that so so with that uh, I knew of a couple there that needed a child desperately they had a seven-year-old daughter but for them not to have a child every two years like clockwork then that's a disgrace so um, I was encouraging this woman to uh, take the child and carry her on her back and get used to her and she liked her. she did like her but to get the the husband to agree that's another question because he says I can't, don't have money to be buying milk. And anyhow, I don't like that milk. He says, it's got cats on it. And I don't go, wouldn't give cats milk to a baby, to my baby. And here, the, the milk was coming from China, and it had a panda on it. <laughs> so anyhow, I had a lot of obstacles to get over on that one. And so finally, we had a palaver in this, in the, town, or not a town, it was just a village, and uh, the head man came and uh, we had it, and the father of the baby, he was still around, so um, anyhow, we, they, they said, now, 
are you willing to give Sunny Han, that was my name out there, Sunny Han, um, this, this child of yours, because there's nobody else to feed it. She knows how to do it. And so he says, of course, he says, he would, no problem. And uh, so anyhow, the Lord worked it all out. And now that woman, she's, well, she's quite elderly now, but uh, she's had nine kids of her own. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, it's just wonderful how the Lord orchestrates things so that his his will, his desires are performed. And uh, when I had the opportunity to go to Mali, I was able to visit the Alliance Hospital in Kutiala. Oh, well, yeah, that's modern. And it's modern, and it's in a largely Muslim country, yeah. and it is a phenomenal outreach uh, to the people who are there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, as I mentioned, we're in a current heat wave right now, but uh, when I was there, it was like it was like this every day. And uh, I stayed at I stayed at the one hotel, as Margaret says, that uh, white, uh, it's the only hotel that white people stay at. And so I stayed at the Olympic Hotel. And while I was there, I wrote down the menu. And, you know, it's sort of transposed to kind of Frenchy kind of English. And so as I looked at the, uh, uh, as I looked at the menu to decide what I was going to have, I had to decide between a pork bitchery plate or a lawyer cocktail or frog thigh of the province one, or sea bream on the furnace. And uh, I can't remember what I had. I think I asked, do you have chicken and fries here? I, I don't know. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, now, uh, I want to I hurry along here and move now, because you did, eventually you came back to Canada. Yeah. How did you know that it was time for you to come back to Canada? Well, um... I had had two bouts of infectious hepatitis, and each time I was burnt out completely, completely. And the doctor said, if you go back again, it'll be suicide. And so uh, I, I, the Lord finally gave me peace about it, but it, it was hard. Because I mean, I love those people, and I I was had given my life really for them, and I was just amazed at how they had responded to the gospel in, in that area. Because you know, they they uh, worshipped, uh, you know, the uh, demons, and. Uh, and had come out of that, and and to see that, I tell you, it, it was just so thrilling to me. And I wanted to be with them, and yet it, it was God's timing for me to move on, as I've said. So um, I, uh, re- you know, and two, I had a mother that was getting on in years, and she needed help. So um, I was able to return home, and uh, my friend um, she uh, she and I bought a house together and we had uh, the lower floor fixed up as a suite for my mother and uh, so uh, the Lord took care of it all with that and and everything went smoothly so God knows what he's doing and we can't hinder him 
just by our own wishes. Uh, even though I wanted to stay out there, I, there's no way. I, I, I was totally burned out. So then you basically came back to Vancouver and went into nursing. Is that right? No, no, no. I, I was a nurse out before I went to Africa. No, but I mean, you came home oh, and I, then... Oh, I went back into... Oh, yeah. I went back to Vancouver General Hospital because that's where I had trained, and I figured that they would have my records and that they would be likely to hire me because here I was, 50 years of age, and that's the age when people don't want you any longer. <laughs> so, so I just did it that way, and and they took me. So... so um, yeah, it was, and I, I worked in the um, case room, and, and they liked it because uh, I had gone to England to take midwifery. I didn't tell you about that. I, the Lord permitted me to do that, and uh, so I had the latest in techniques, much more than they had at the VGH, so hey, they thought I was doing all right. Okay, I want to ask you, um, so, so you're a Westerner, and you fell in love with the people of Africa, and now you come back as a Westerner. Was it difficult for you to re-enter Western culture? Oh, it was terrible. Terrible going that way. Not going out, but coming home. Oh, yeah. Because the people are so resistant and, and um, yeah. Uh, it was very difficult. Very, you know, one thing, out in Africa, you know, when they ring the church bell in about half an hour, then they think, oh, it's time to go to church. Well, let's get ready. And by the time they get there, about at least half an hour or more has gone by. Whereas here, you go to church at a specific time. And then when I, with my African culture, got back to Canada, it didn't go over. It did not go over. In fact, it, it was pretty bad. It really was. Even with my family, oh, they said, can't you keep time? Can't you be on time for something? I mean, really. But, you know, after a while, you do get, so you get climatized and you get over that. <laughs> uh, has the spirit... Did the Spirit lead you differently in Africa than he led you in back in North America? I don't think so. So only the place has changed, but but it's oh, yeah. the same Lord. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Did you find it easier or harder to be a Christian in Mali? Oh, well, it wasn't hard at all there because uh, they... The, the, well, they worshipped the demons, and uh, they, so they would shed blood, a chicken usually, but it could be a bigger animal, uh, in order to appease the evil spirits. So we had come along with our message that Christ has died once for all and has shed his blood, and we would elaborate on that, and they would understand it. And it, it was a noted fact out in, in Africa that that area was more prone to coming to the Lord than, than others. Because the contrast was so marked. Yeah, yeah. And they understood about they shedding un of they, blood. They understood it, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, just a couple of more questions 
Margaret, um, uh, for the for the for the listener, um, what have been good resources for you in your Christian walk? Uh, have there been any books that have been precious to you? Any studies? Uh, any book of the Bible in particular? What resources have been valuable to you to help you in your Christian walk? Well, you know, I, I pondered over that because, especially in my early days, I mean. I had no money to buy anything, let alone a book. <laughs> and nobody talked about resources. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I can't really expand on that too much. I, okay. I mean, I mean, to see what I depended on was the Word of God, and and that's what I had, and that's what helped me all through was the Bible, and that's where I found my help and uh, instruction and whatever I needed was there. So I didn't have to look at her. I, I don't know. Not nowadays, you have all the resources, and and uh, and that's good. But uh, for me, I didn't have that opportunity at all. Okay. Um, just a couple of questions on your hopes. Uh, Molly's been in the news quite a bit yeah. uh, lately, and uh, they've had ISIS problems up in the north, and yeah. there's been a there's been a, effectively a coup there taking over the government. Um, yeah. And and uh, for the listener, most uh, Molly is largely a Muslim country, but most of the evangelical Christians in Mali are alliance people. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your what is your hope for Mali? Well, you know, I heard recently of uh, a revival that's been going on up in uh, the north of British Columbia, and uh, that would be my hope. They they say that people were flocking to the churches and getting down on their knees and asking God to have mercy on them. And that's just recently. They had uh, an evangelist from that area speaking on one of the radio programs telling about it. So I I would certainly trust that there be a real moving of of God out there. It's possible. How about how about for Canada? Because you you know you've spent a good part of your life here as well, and yeah. living out here on the west coast. What, what what is your what is your hope for Canada? Well, it's similar, really. I don't. Know. The, the spirit of God will move in a marvelous way. So maybe if you're extending that then into your hope for our church, it would be the same kind of thing, hey? Yeah. Yeah, that the Spirit would sort of take over, assume the chair, and... Uh, yes, and I think that's what we need, too, you know, yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay, so so you've, uh, you're, you're a lovely woman in your 90s now, and um, as we sort of wind up our time, uh, what would you have to say to the listener about about walking in the Spirit and listening to God and communing with Him, what would you have to say to the listener about that? Well, don't resist the Spirit speaking to you because I think He's crushed and, and he's, the people are resisting Him, don't want anything to do with the Spirit of God. But 
uh, if you want all of what Christ has for you, then you need to be willing to uh, listen to the Spirit of God and do what He wants and says. It's mm, good. It's good. Well, Margaret, it's been great spending a little bit of time. I mean, we could have we could have talked a lot more about other things, but uh, but I think this has been good. Uh, and I wonder, uh, just as we close off our time, I wonder if you would pray a blessing on the listener today and uh, just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to them in their life. Would you close our time yeah. in prayer that way? Thank you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you that you bid us come and your Holy Spirit is with us because you are with us. And we just pray that you will bless those that are listening. And above all, we pray that they will look to you for your enabling, for your comfort, for all that you have for them. Whatever your need is today, the Holy Spirit can certainly be there for every situation. So we just, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will bless this time together and cause people to realize that the Holy Spirit is at work, whether we're aware of it or not, that he is at work in our land. And we thank you, Lord, for what is going on and for those that are coming to Christ and those that are depending on you for your help and your enablement. I just pray well, that, that you will bless, and I pray for our church here too, that your spirit will indeed have his way in each heart and life here and be used for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. My name is Leon Thronus. My guest today has been Margaret Rogers. We've been talking about encounters with the Holy Spirit and how it really affects your life's direction.